Podcasts are an independent way for podcasters like me to bring a local voice to your ears. At the Spent the Rent Podcast, we strive to raise awareness of topics that affect the often underrepresented. Our title sponsor, Oregon Cashflow Pro, offers free money management advice that can help you take control of your finances. At OregonCashflowPro.com, you will find videos to guide you towards your goal of financial freedom. For more info, there will be a link in the show notes. The following podcast is available on all major streaming sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can now listen to all previous episodes, donate to the podcast, and buy shirts directly from the Spent the Rent podcast at our newly designed official website, strpod.com. Welcome to the Spent the Rent podcast. I am your host, Patty Rose. My guest today is Springfield, Oregon educator, Brandon Ferguson. Brandon, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So before we get started, I want to talk about a little bit of how uh, people listening uh, can find the podcast. Uh, Obviously, if you're listening, you already found it, but I want to tell you different options. So you can listen to the podcast in audio form on all major streaming sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can watch on Facebook and YouTube every Saturday at 10 a.m., and then you can watch the pre-recorded videos afterwards. There'll be links to all of that on my website, which is strpod.com. And make sure to subscribe wherever you plan to get the weekly podcast to get alerted when a new episode drops. Now you can donate to the show through Venmo, which is at Spent the Rent, and that helps me greatly. Or if you'd like to become a monthly sponsor, you can go to strpod.com, click the donations tab, and there's PayPal and Patreon. I would totally appreciate it if you would donate even a small crumb. $5 donation on Venmo would be great. What that does is it adds to the pot for advertising dollars, and I'd like to start uh, advertising to reach a bigger audience. So thank you for that. Brandon Ferguson, Springfield, Oregon educator. Uh, Thank you so much. I wanted to have you on because I want to talk about, you know, some of the challenges faced by teachers in 2022. Uh, You have become a a friend behind the scenes, a customer at our barbershop. And you're an awesome person. You've got a great family. So I wanted to have you on a chat. So thank you for doing this. Yeah, cool. So let's get started. Uh, You know, let's talk first about your personal journey into the profession. How long have you worked as a teacher and what motivated you to become a teacher? Um, So this is my this is my seventh year. um, And I've kind of gone through a a long journey. And this is a little personal, but that's fine. Um, I, uh, I started wanting to kind of, um, I've always had, always had strong opinions and wanted to help. And when I was younger, it came off like me feeling like a know-it-all, but, uh, hopefully I've gone, uh, gotten over that. Um, and I started, <laughs> I started in, in youth ministry actually. And I was a, a volunteer youth minister for a few years. I went to a Bible college for a year. Um, and then towards the end of that, I started to have kind of, um, you know, some dogmatic issues where I, I was teaching stuff that I wasn't sure I entirely believed anymore. Um, and so I thought like, what could I do that's still um, like passing on some lessons that I learned um, uh, to, to kids and, um, and like teaching was the, was, I'm not very creative. So teaching was like the first thing that popped in my mind. Um, and I teach history cause it's, um, it's still that kind of like, we can learn lessons from things that have happened in the past. And, um, and that's, that's kind of the, the impetus behind it. I'm not sure if it was the, um, 
you know, I have a lot of questions about whether um, whether I can ac uh, uh, accurately and adequately uh, pass on the lessons that I've learned. It's a lot more difficult than I than I thought it was, but um, but that's why I'm where I am. So now you have two kids, but you had kids after you became a teacher. Is that correct? It was about uh, my son was born when I was in uh, my master's program, so it was about the exact same time, um, which was turns out a lot of a lot of work, two things um, that take a lot of effort going on at the same time. Wow, I must have met you pretty early on in this process because I feel like you've been coming to the barbershop about six, seven years, something like that. So I think it was before. I think it was before I had kids. Um, I, it it would have been because I was going there when I um, when I was going to the U of O, um, and I have my son when we when I went over to Pacific for the um, for the master's program. Right. So these past couple of years have been brutal for teachers. COVID-19, distance learning and mask mandates, tensions and threats of violence at school board meetings, and a continuation of the epidemic of school gun violence. Understandably, many teachers have decided that the task is too large and are leaving the profession. After all that, what is it that keeps you focused on being a great educator? I mean, it's... Uh it's still that, that journey, like just cause it's, um, a lot harder than I thought it was going to be, uh, doesn't mean that like my guiding purpose to try and do something useful for society is, is any different. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it's definitely a lot of my friends and coworkers are thinking about, um, you know, is it worth it anymore? And there's, um, uh, there are so many teachers leaving, um, a lot, just like, leaving the profession, my son's teacher left in, uh, uh the middle of the year, wow. which was pretty rough. Um, I don't hold anything against teachers for doing what they feel is right. Uh, but that was, that was a tough transition. Um, and there's, uh, a lot of my friends where I work are, uh, are leaving. And, um, some of them are thinking about going to another school and some of them are just like over it. Um, cause it's, it's been rough for all the, all the reasons you mentioned. I think that there's, often there's turnover in teaching because I've, yeah. I'm surprisingly doing the podcast. It's, it's amazing. And just in my personal uh, relationships, like I just changed banks and I was talking to the banker. She's like, I actually started out as a teacher and a lot of people try. <laughs> they, yeah. Random. But yeah, a lot of people try their, right. they, they try their hand at it, you know? And then, mm -hmm. and then, you know, maybe they're idealistic and they're like, like you're saying, it's like, I want to help, yep. help, help the world. But then they do it and they're like, man, I don't know if I got it in me, especially, you know, uh, you're going to be teaching at high school. You've been teaching at the middle school level. Uh, yeah. Good luck. You know, <laughs> you know, no, I think <laughs> I, I think you're going to be great. I, I think that uh, it's a, I can't even imagine it would be very difficult. Now, my stepson is actually studying education to become a teacher right now. Right. He's, he's at OSU. And uh, his graduation is going on right now from Lane for his first his first two years, his associate's degree. Cool. But uh, yeah, I just, I, it's such a challenge. But, you know, one of my customers, uh, he's a teacher and he told me it was interesting because, you know, I'll see him every two months and he's like, I'll never leave. I'll keep doing it. I'm going to keep pushing along. I, I, I know I'm going to do it. The last time he came in, he's like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Oh, and wow. I was like, oh no. And, you know, and, and, yeah. it, and so he, and he's young. He, I, I cut his hair through college and then his, he got his student teaching job and then his full-time gig and he only lasted one year, you know, and I don't blame, I don't blame him, but I mean, it's, it's the fact that he was like, you could see that it, it was, it took a lot out of him to finally just cave that he's like, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. So now what Man, are the, this is, go ahead. This is a, a tough year to be your first, 
your first year. I mean, um, a first year is already so hard, but um, like my first year, I was able to rely on people who'd been in, in it for a while. There were a lot of systems that were in place to, to help me out. Um, we can get into it later, but uh, it, it, like every single little system in the in the school had to be reworked several times over the last few years because of changing um, the way we were doing things. And then you'd think, okay, we're going back to normal. Um, so we'll just do everything the way we were doing it. But it wasn't that easy because you have, it's been a couple of years and people who were there running it are gone or, um, you know, they're still like, we're going to do the same thing, but you have to keep your masks on. And that little thing keeps, uh, that little thing changes so many things. Um, you have to keep distance. You know, there's, they, we had like a seating chart for lunch rooms, which was new. Uh, and that meant that you had to have people to enforce it, which meant that those people weren't in the places they used to be little things like that, that we never really thought about, uh, making this year so much more difficult. Bring that all back to like a first year teacher um, is supposed to be able to rely on people knowing what they're doing. But this year, the people in the schools for the most part were kind of like also figuring that out. Sure. And it's just chaotic. Um, yeah. yeah. So there wasn't the support for first year teachers this year that there should be. So that was the next section I wanted to touch on is students adjusting to in-person learning again. What are some ways that you've been able to find ways to help kids adjust? Um, yeah. so, uh, like that's kind of what I was getting at when I said, like, it's, it's a lot harder to actually teach kids than I, than I thought. Um, I can like communicate what I think, but to get kids to, um, to understand it is still, um, a mystery. And that's, you know, that sucks. Cause that's kind of my job, right. To get kids to understand things. I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, but like the transition from, from online totally to in-person last year was already kind of weird because last year it was, um, it was still pretty laid back. Uh, they were still doing some online when it was in hybrid mode. Um, some kids just like never came back or the kids that did had needed a lot of support because they were not used to it. Um, and then this year we said, okay, we're going back to normal. Um, but we had a lot of kids, unfortunately, who were already kind of on the cusp and they came back for a little bit and just couldn't hack it. And so they went back to online um, or into other alternative programs. Um, whereas in previous years, they probably would have been, would have still struggled, but they would have been able to make it through the year. What um, do you think is the biggest challenge for those types of kids? Is it, is it social anxiety? Is it fear of COVID? I mean, it, you know, that there's people obviously on different sides, even the kids on the mask debate, yeah. you know. What do you think that the major, I mean, each person is different, which adds, adds to the challenge of being a teacher. Cause you're like, I might have this method, but it might work for this kid, but it's not going to work for this one. Or it yeah. might be counteractive that this method might actually, yeah. hurt, you know, this one. hundred percent. You know? Yeah. So yeah. yeah there's some you, kids that like, if you, if you look them straight in the eye and say it with like a, a stern voice, like um, you can do better. Like that's the thing they needed to hear. Right. And there's another kid who you say that to them and they'll, they will never look at you again and they'll never do a single thing you ask them to do. So you have to kind of feel that out and, um, and, and use the right mode for each kid. Did the, did this um, go ahead? No, you did this whole, no, you you're moving from the middle school level to the high school level. Did this last year have any impact on making that decision or is it just kind of the natural progression for you? An opportunity arose you know, is there really not as much to it? Is is literally just like I wanted to teach at high school, and here's the chance. I, 
I applied for every high school opening uh, that that came open in town since my first year. So <laughs> I've always wanted to do yeah. high school. I taught eighth grade because I um, that's the closest I could get to high school. Um, and uh, it, it's just I there's a lot of things you need to be good at as a teacher. Um, and some of my weak points are uh, some of those systems that you have to be really stern on with with younger kids. Um, I'm a little bit more like content focused, like the, in the younger grades, um, if you don't know the content, that's, that's not the, the end of the world. Like if you don't know everything about the civil war, it doesn't matter because you're like really just teaching the kids how to like behave in school. Um, and then as it, as it goes up for my elementary school teachers, I know you guys are super intelligent and smart and educated. No, exactly. Yeah. Please don't take that <laughs> the wrong way. Um, but you guys have to be so good at, um, well, there's early life. education. There's early education yeah. and there's education. Yeah. Yeah. That early education, they have to like figure out how to train kids to do school the right way. And that's, I, I'm not very good at that. <laughs> it's not my skill set. No. So, um, so high school is more like, um, where I've always wanted to be. Um, uh, and, and I've been saying that to a lot of people who, you know, who are talking about how many people are leaving. Um, I love the school I'm at right now. Uh, I mean, it's got its challenges. It's, it's maybe, you know, the most challenging place to work in town. Um, and I, but I love the people I work with. There's a real family atmosphere. Um, and it, I wasn't going to move for another, for like a lateral move. In my opinion, I, if I was going to leave, I was going to go to a high school. Yeah. And that's, it's cool that you're getting your opportunity, especially staying in yeah. your, in your hometown. Uh, now I had mentioned before you being a parent, how does being a parent yourself affect how you approach parents for student of your students? I just, uh, <laughs> was talking to uh, a parent about her kid being diagnosed with, uh, ADHD and they're trying to figure out the right medication. And, um, my son's got some, um, some, diagnoses that, um, we're still working through, um, and going through that process of like figuring out how to best support my own son has really helped me connect with, um, with other parents who are dealing with the same thing. And it makes me feel like, like I know how to talk about it. So, um, that's been, that's been one really, uh, really helpful feature. Um, I, it, it's, it's really weird though. Um, you would think that like spending all your time with a kid, uh, with kids at home and, uh, and then going to like spend time with other people's kids at work, you think I would be like really used to communicating with kids, but kids are like, I like all human beings, but, but, um, kids don't mask it as well. They're, um, they're so like difficult to, um, get inside the head of, um, like, you know, one, one kid operates one way, another kid operates another way. But, um, but sometimes it, it, it's the same kid on one day, you say something to them and it really motivates them. And it's great. The next day you walk up to them and they, you know, cuss you out when you say the same thing. Um, so it's, it's always a mystery and, um, and working with my, with my kids at home or kids at work, it's, it's the same. I still, um, I still don't have all the answers. <laughs> right, right. Well, and I'm sure that when approaching a parent, I'm sure that it gives you some credibility, like you had said, where, mm -hmm. you know, you can uh, understand and you can empathize a lot greater than than before having kids. But like you had said, this has been, you've had kids your whole whole career, but, you know, the, as they as they grow and progress, your experience grows and progresses. So yeah, that's really good. For sure. Uh, I wanted, I kind of skipped it, but I want to go back and talk about uh, when 
coming back to in-person learning and talk a little bit about the masks and how kids, and this is a broad question, so obviously there's multiple answers, but how did kids react to the mask mandate being lifted? (laughs) It's, it's super weird. Um, a lot of kids were, um, happy to not be wearing their masks. Of course there were some, I'd say like a, a fifth of the kids were still pretty nervous about having their, their masks off, uh, because of COVID. And there's, um, still to this day, there's a bunch that, that wear their masks. Um, uh, and some have, some have just said, you know what, I don't feel comfortable. Others have shared with me, like they've got, uh, immunocompromised people at home and, um, they just want to be as careful as they can. Um, and when the, when the mandate was lifted, actually, um, you know, the, the kids who didn't want to wear their masks, they were going to take off their masks. I wanted to support the kids who, um, who were like nervous about it. So for the first couple of weeks, I kept my mask on, but, um, after, after a little while I've been, I've been going without it. I actually have, um, I have two, uh, air purifiers in, in my room, one in each corner and they have the UV light in it and I keep my windows open and I, the the air is just circulating, circulating. Um, and, uh, I think it's helped. I think we've been uh, pretty, pretty good in my classroom. I haven't gotten it yet. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a scary time. I, I I mean, there's a lot of COVID out there. I tested positive yeah. for COVID. I've been public about it on social media right. that on Monday, uh, I started showing symptoms on Sunday. And, you know, it's been a roller coaster just of emotion, yeah. just being cooped up and, and isolating mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And I work with the public, so not having that interaction yeah. has been has been tough. I didn't even know if I wanted to do yeah. this episode, but I did have the energy and I was like, let's just go for it. You know, yeah. <laughs> But, but I just, I know how I reacted. And sometimes I look back at now being that I've, I've actually finally tested positive for it or finally was exposed when the mandate was lifted. I was like, well, we should just go by what the CDC says and I'm going to stop wearing one. I don't know where I got it. You know, I mean, I, I have no idea. I could have been any, you know, I've done some things. I did a Memorial day barbecue. I don't, I don't want to say, cause I have no idea where, right. where it came. You're, you're, you're pretty close to people's faces. All yeah. Day yeah. Long and too. I've had customers say that they just got out of isolation and yeah, I mean, one after another, I hear it at least once a day, you know, that I just yeah. got out of isolation. So I might have to rethink the way I look at it. I'll be, I'll be wearing a mask for probably at least the next two weeks just to right. be on the safe side. Uh, sure. even past when I'm, you know, uh, because the CDC recommendation is is that after five days after, if you are positive, five days after the of the beginning of exposure, that you can go about your business, but you need to mask up for two weeks. Yeah. It's I don't know. It's pretty tough because yeah, we don't I know. Mean, we don't know how much it's spreading or that kind of stuff. You know, yeah. pass. I mean, they say that you can test positive for weeks afterwards. So it's it's and that, yeah. and that doesn't necessarily mean that you're spreading. And I know that with normal flu it was always kind of like three days, like you're not contagious anymore. I don't know. if. I mean, yeah. I think, I think after five days, you're not contagious enough for, uh, for the powers that be to justify you staying at home. I think that's what it comes down to. But, um, I, I would assume that if you're still testing positive as far, I'm not a scientist, but it sounds like that means that you've got enough of a viral load to, you know, to test it on the on the stick you stuck up your nose, right? Which right. supposedly means that you could spread it to someone else. Yeah, but I, yeah, I it's t- it's tough. But the, and there's like this, like you said, the CDC is doing what they can, but also making sure that our economy doesn't collapse and that people can actually function. Because yeah. I mean, you know, we'd have a lot. Right. I don't know. Now, 
one of the questions I so, wanted to go ahead. Let me uh, at least because there's there's like several categories of uh, how kids reacted to that. Right. There's kids that wanted to keep their masks on. There's kids that took them off. There's also kids who like the whole time we had the mask mandate kept having their their mask down on their chin. Right. And I say, like, pull them up, pull them up. And I just assumed those kids were, would like take their masks off when the mask mandate came. But there's a ton of kids who still, this is like just a weird social thing, who still keep their masks down like on their chin. Uh, and I think that there's some like some social anxiety about uh, about letting people see your your mouth uh, or your nose or something. Um, some comfort that people feel from having that, having the mask on still for having to wear it for so long. I'm not quite sure exactly, but um, there's kids still wearing masks who don't necessarily seem to be worried about COVID. They just want to wear a mask. Yeah. There's definitely a sense of kind of disappearing a little bit when you can pull that thing yeah. up. I, I mean, it was such an interesting roller coaster uh, societally to be mm-hmm. my mental uh, note was Costco, you know, during the pandemic, yeah. during the shutdowns, I'm like, why is that dude wearing a mask? Then the next time I'm like, I need to get one of them masks. And then the next time yeah. I'm like, where, why is he not wearing a mask? And it really just changed. Yeah. And it's an interesting conditioning. And I, I've tried to leave an open mind for some of the people that were naysayers to it all, because I know right. a lot of it is understandable why it's kind of questionable. Like we had just yeah. t- talked about with the CDC. Sometimes there's some inconsistency or maybe it's just yeah. hard to understand fully, you right. know, and, and it's constantly evolving. But ne- so I wanted to move on a little bit. The next question I had was uh, societal concerns from a teacher's perspective. What is something happening in schools that people with or without kids should be much more aware of that they're not. Yeah. So we, uh, we talked about this a little before, but um, I've always, I've been telling my kids, especially the kids at the school that I work at, um, they've been through a lot. They're pretty affected. Um, uh, And a a lot of them seem too, too quick to want to grow up. Um, I, I keep telling them like, enjoy your, your childhood, go like stay the night with your friends, play too many video games, stay up late, eat too much pizza, drink too much Mountain Dew, like, like be a kid. And there's a lot of, a lot of these kids who are just, um, you know, they're getting into alcohol and drug use. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of sexual activity. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong about those things. Um, I just, you got all your life to, to do that kind of stuff. <laughs> and like, as a kid, you're only going to have this time to be like immature and irresponsible once, right? These teenage years, I have so many great memories of doing stupid stuff with my friends sober. Um, and I, and then you can do stupid stuff with your friends, not sober too. Like there's nothing uh, inherently wrong with that uh, in my opinion, but um, it's scary I though just, when I kids like mourn, don't, when kids I'm don't, I'm the loss of childhood for these kids is all. Yeah, and when kids don't establish a sense of uh, how to be sober, you know that's what's yeah, scary. Because I, I mean, yeah. I know. So I struggled with addiction for a long time, and you know, it's something that I didn't know how to have fun on a Friday night yeah. without alcohol. You know, and that's right. a really scary thing. Now, so that I want to touch more on that about you know vaping. Uh, with mm-hmm. jewels and and with cannabis, uh, I'm a I'm a proponent. I'm a definite supporter of the legalization and the decriminalization of marijuana. But that being yeah. said, it is if you're 21, because I think that mm-hmm. you know there's going to be a lot of things 
that 21 is the age, you know, that, that yeah. when, when I think is where you're able to make those decisions. And I worry about kids. You had, you had talked, we talked off air and you had said that there's kids in the middle school, middle school level that can go in the bathroom or they could be outside and they can sneak a little puff off of these little tiny jewels. And there's nothing that you can do because yeah. you can't catch them. How rampant yeah. is it? Is it really, really, really common? It's yeah, it's, it's like, it's the kids you'd expect and it's the kids you wouldn't expect. I mean, it's um, uh, uh, probably at least half of the students have done it at some point this year is my, is my guess. Um, and that it's wild. Cause when I was in middle school, I'm sure some kids were doing it, but I had, I literally had no idea what drugs were <laughs> until high school. Sure. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's a whole different, it's a whole different mindset. And uh, to be, to be honest, like there's some science, there's a lot of science about using things uh, while your brain is still developing. Um, some, some of these kids are operating just fine. And that's um, on one hand, that's like, Hey, that's, that's cool. You're coming to school. You're doing great in these crazy times. On the other hand, the fact that like these kids are so um, that they've used, it so much that they're already at that point. Like all my, my druggy friends when I worked at pizza hut were, uh, um, you know, operating just fine, totally high all the time because that's how they lived their lives. Right. I don't want that for these kids. No, it's li- um, it definitely limits. I mean, it's a functioning, yeah. it's a functioning addict, you yeah. know, and, and that's, I, that's scary. I don't care what anybody says. You can be an addict to pot, you know, <laughs> you know, you can be, I mean, it, it may oh, yeah. not, you may not be in the gutter about it, but you're still, it still limits your, growth and all that kind of stuff and you know you can be addicted to literally anything addiction is just your your brain craving more chemicals right right so if your brain wants whatever the the experience that cannabis gives you you're you're going to be addicted to it and you're going to want to go and do it you can be addicted to checking your phone when it whenever it dings you can um you know a lot of people a lot of people don't uh don't think about addiction that way but Everything can be addicting let's talk about that how is that in school phones sure phones that's gotta be oh yeah i mean we this is a practiced, uh, I don't know if you could tell, but that's like a practice dialogue because uh, we tell kids that all the time. Like you wanting to check your phone is is an addiction. And like some addictions are, you know, we're addicted to food. I'm addicted to caffeine. Everybody's got addictions. Um, and you wanting to check your phone is not inherently bad, but it's something you do have to be aware of and tell yourself sometimes, I have that feeling that I want to do this. And I'm going to tell myself, no, I'm not going to do that. That's like a really important skill for life, right? You can't always just do whatever your your body or brain is telling you you want to do, right? That's not a healthy way to live your life. So you have to train yourself to um, say, like, I really want to check my phone right now, but I I know that I my mom's going to be mad at me if I if I fail this test and I need to take these notes so I don't fail this test, right? You have to have that kind of um, that thought process. Um, phones in school are. Phones are not allowed at uh, at the school I'm at. They are sort of allowed at the high school. They're not Um, allowed at all, even on break? Even on break. Wow. Yeah, which is honestly pretty – it's pretty tough, and I think it's kind of a holdover from uh, from previous days. Uh, I think that – I don't want to spoil anything, but I think there is some movement toward allowing them on break or or during lunch. Um, But the idea is that we want kids to actually interface with each other, right? during, during lunch, uh, and, and on breaks. But, um, 
I think that it would be easier to keep kids off of phones in class if we say, just wait until break. You can, there's these stupid, I, I don't know. I don't use Snapchat because I'm, I'm getting old now and I'm starting to get passed up by all the trends. But I guess there's um, there's like a daily streak where, uh, or maybe it's even more frequent than daily. Whoever use, people use Snapchat are going to make fun of me. But um, kids like will have, like if you send a message or something uh, frequently enough, then you keep your streak up. Um, so kids will literally, they're pretty honest. They'll get their phone out. They'll do the the streak on, on Snapchat and I'll say, Hey, phone's off and away. And they'll say, I, I just had to keep my streak up. Oh yeah. I know. <laughs> say, I know about I that. I understand that, but please put your phone away. We went camping, uh, when my stepson Ethan was, was 13 or 14, we went camping and, uh, he's like, can we go to town? And, and, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean? And, and I was like, jokingly, I was like, do you need to get your streak on? And he's like, oh, I do, but I don't want you to put it that way. So it became this inside <laughs> joke. We went to the gas station in town. We were up up the McKinsey. So we went into Blue River. And I go to the gas station. I'm like, hey, yeah, we just were camping up here. And we just wanted to come into town so that my stepson could get his streak on. And he <laughs> and, and he was just so embarrassed. I, I knew exactly yeah. how I was putting it. Because, you know, the guy pumping yeah. the gas. At that time, Snapchat was fairly new. He had no idea. Mm -hmm. He thought he meant like running around with no clothes on. Oh, sure. But yeah. it was it was pretty funny. But no, that, I mean, I'm just, I can't even imagine. Now, I understand it's the world we live in today, accessibility from a parent to a student, having that phone during the break where they can text them or they can call them. And I think that there's good yeah. and bad to that. I think sometimes having access to your child, whether at school, is not a good thing. I think that they need to be yeah. present in what they're doing, but also... Our, our lives are so fast and, and there's so much information that's shared quickly. I mean, you know, it could be as simple as a text that says like, so-and-so is going to be the one picking you up or however it works those, right. that those changes. And that might be the only second that that parent has a chance to reach them. And I yeah. gr granted they can get it after class or whatever, but I'm surprised the idea that they would be like, no, no, no phones at all. Uh, but yeah, yeah. What, a, what a challenge. I mean, that's a, that's kind of a, the, the secret of it is like kids when they're, when they're being like, when they're tr being rule followers, they'll say, Hey, can I text my mom real quick to let her know that uh, I need to be picked up X, Y, or Z, or to ask if so-and-so can come over after school. And I just say, yeah, real quick. For Thank sure. you for asking, you yeah. know, cause other, and other kids are just, are doing it um, without asking. And you know, I'm not necessarily too mad about it. I just remind them, put, put them away. But um I think that we want to, this is kind of the, the thing about teaching is um, you have to be, if you're going to have rules, you have to be consistent with them. Otherwise kids will think, and you know, as a, parents know this too, like if, if you're not consistent with a rule every single time, the rule might as well not exist. Right. And then you're, you're having battles with kids. Um, so like you have to, you have to figure out which, uh, which rules are important enough that you're going to be consistent with it every single time because you're going to have to like fight that battle. And if it's a, if it's a battle that's not worth fighting and you have a rule that you don't really feel like enforcing, um, it actually kind of diminishes your, uh, your power for the rules that you do want to enforce. Um, and I feel like phones, at least in lunchtime and like in the hallway is starting to get to that point. Like I don't want you using them in the classroom because you should be focused on what you're supposed to be doing. But in the hallway, there's no reason not to. Um, kids are, if, if if we say off in a way, your phone is literally supposed to be turned off. And a lot of times during work time, kids will like 
have their you know headphone in to listen to music while they're working. And you know what? A lot of them need that because they because their friends are sitting around them, and if they don't have a headphone in, they're going to be talking to their friends. That's a good point. And um, like I technically tell them, you can connect it to your computer, um, but I know that most of them have it connected to their phones when they when they have it on. Um, well, and it's also a harder thing to do. I mean, you know, dealing with the the Bluetooth. I mean, if you have AirPods and you have a PC computer, they don't talk to each other super well. I mean, they do because it's just yeah. Bluetooth, but. It's not as good as your setup when you have it with your phone. Anyway, we do have to move on. And this is going to be the most difficult topic, no matter what. Uh, Today, across the country, there is, I don't know, hundreds, if not thousands of of March for Our Lives rallies uh, against school violence. These rallies were started, was it 2018 or 2019, uh, by the Parkland students at Parkland High School. And I know that it's it's happening here. Uh, I like that they're doing it on a Saturday. You know, because I know mm-hmm. that there was a lot of talk about South Eugene originally locally was was doing a student walkout. Uh, yeah. I'm sure all the schools had some. And there's a lot of opinions on that. Uh, so doing it on a Saturday, I think, is a, is a good idea because it's just it's teachers and parents and students can walk together. And there's no questions on if if it's if it's appropriate or not to be walking out on school and all that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about school violence and the challenges faced by a teacher I mean, one of the things that that's really common today is active shooter drills. Uh, What does an average active shooter drill look like and have those drills changed in the last couple of years? Um, Right when I started was the I think the first year that we started doing um, Alice training, which is uh, a little different from what we used to do, which was like, you know, hide in a um, hide in a corner and hope for the best. now, and this is kind of a, a sore subject given uh, what happened in Uvalde, um, we, we're trained to um, first, if you can't evacuate, evacuate. Um, and that's, that seems obvious. If you can't, if, the, if there's somebody out in the hallway, you got to lock, lock the door and barricade it, put heavy desks and bookshelves in front of it. Um, and if that doesn't work, if, the, if uh, an intruder gets in, um, we're trained to attack. We're trained to like throw stuff at them and um, do everything possible. Because if you just sit in a corner, um, that you're you're sitting ducks. And um, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty uh, salty about the fact that teachers are trained to attack intruders. Yeah, um, it's not why you got given into it. what what happened in Uvalde. That's um, the the fact that they did not um, and teachers did everything possible uh, to protect their kids. But that's a different, no, for a sure. different subject. For sure. Um, yeah. What do you tell your own kids uh, about school violence? I mean, are they too young or is it a conversation you have to have? It's, I mean, they're all, they're already doing the drills. They're eight and six. They're already talking about it. Um, to be, to be honest, I'm not sure. I'm not sure the drills are worth the, um, the trauma that it can cause. And I think maybe a lot of this conversation we're having about it, um, it, it might bring it front of mind for kids who are already having issues. And um, I'm not an expert. I, I don't have any data to back this up, but um, it's like front of mind for kids. Um, and when, when things are, uh, you know, on the top of someone's mind and someone is, is feeling like they need to act out, um, they're going to do the first thing they think of 
and unfortunately, bringing a gun to school and shooting people up might be the first thing they're they're thinking of because we talk about it nonstop. That's what I was so going to ask. I have, you know, yeah, I have, I have some pretty. Um, my my opinions on this are always uh, always evolving, and I'm not sure what the right answer is. No, and I I want that to be clear. That's a. I'm glad you said that because you're entitled to that. Entitled yeah. to be in one moment, you might have a more compassionate, uh, empathetic view. In one moment, you might be angry and bitter and yeah. hostile. As a human being, not you know, at work you got to be professional. But your personal life, it's so frustrating, you know, and it, and, yeah. it, and it's just so frustrating when nothing's changing. Now, yeah. you kind of talked about it, but is the threat talked about in school, both between or between teachers and staff or students and staff, uh, or is it almost taboo to talk about, about casually? So, like, are people like, is it kind of like saying bomb on an airplane where you just don't want to say it while you're like? You know, I don't know how to how to word that question, but is no, it a, is it a conversation that uh, we're is talking brought up? about it? Yeah, it is. Um, especially, I mean, because it's happening around the country all the time. So every time we get a news alert, we'll we're sitting at lunch and we say, "Shooting in Texas today." Wow, uh, it's it's constant because um, you know we're we're living it, um, and it's. I mean, there's there's. I'm always. Uh, I'm always thinking about what it would be like in my situation because these these kids that do this um, in some of the circumstances are like the kids that, that me as a teacher would have had in my classroom for the entire year, right? And that I poured a lot of attention and care into. Um, and like I think about some kids, sometimes there's a kid who like kind of fits the exact description of somebody you should be worried about. And you... Um, you you contact everyone you need to contact, and they say, "Well, you know, keep an eye, um, make sure you're you're um, watching, and if there's anything concerning, let us know." Right? And you you think about it, uh, like, what would happen if that if that happened? And like, yeah, from an outside perspective, that you know, whoever that kid is, that's going in and doing that is a monster, um, a soulless husk just a, a body walking in shooting people up. Right. But in reality, they're like, they're like human beings who are, who are hurting and have gone through a lot of stuff up until that point that they make that decision. You are like loving on them and caring about them and wanting them to deal with their own stuff so that they can be a, you know, a productive member of society and not fall down into this, um, this dark, uh, dark zone that these these kids get into. I think um, it's important. So that, it's, go ahead. I was just gonna like. It's like really um, when you when you put a personal face on it, um, on like on all levels the the victims, the perpetrator, the the staff, the trauma that happens for people who weren't even there. Um, it's really like it's really emotional. You know, it's it's really personal. I think that we as a society need to try to work on our revenge attitude. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that, that we're like, I'm, I've been wronged. I will get vengeance. You know? And I mean, there's right. superhero movies that that's literally what they're all about. There's, yeah. there's, I mean the video games, which I'm not trying to say that that's a link or, I mean the wrong person with anything could, could take it the wrong way, you know, the bad you right. know, music or video games, but I, some of it's pretty, I mean, we just live in such a violent culture yeah. And and so vengeful and so like I I refuse to be wronged. 
I've been noticing a lot of uh, bumper stickers on trucks lately that say like, um, keep honking. I'm reloading that kind of stuff. Or yeah. Like, that's unacceptable. My, AR, my, my, my AR 15 is better than your, you know, stick figure family. Or, like, what are you, what are you doing with you your doing? life? And if you have, <laughs> if you have a gun in your Christmas card, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Period. Period. Right. Because I, I, they need to go back and read the Bible again because Jesus was peacefully <laughs> protesting, right? That, you know, he died. But like turn the other cheek isn't so that it's so that they can slap right. the other one. That's literally what it's about. Right. I mean, they're doing it wrong. Literally. They're doing it wrong. Yeah. And we have a big be beating, problem beating their swords into plowshares. Right. And I think sometimes, you know, on the flip side, I don't want to get political, but on the flip side, it's like sometimes you have to be able to just roll your eyes and walk away from certain, certain things yeah. because yes, we need to fight and yes, we need to stand up against, against this type type of stuff, but we also have to not give it oxygen sometimes yeah. and it's a balance that's really difficult i know that me and you are very vocal on social media about our political <laughs> leanings and things and sometimes i think it's best if we just lower the temperature you know what i mean like and i've noticed that you have you're hilarious on twitter you know and uh and <laughs> oh wait shoot do you follow me on twitter i think so a radical dude oh, or something yeah so uh, uh sh- <laughs> so, can you cut, no honest honestly could you bleep that yeah that's so, where i go to you know say all my things <laughs> Well, I don't know if the, I don't put it. I don't a, put it lo- on Twitter. It's anymore, longer than so. that. It's longer than that. That's not the okay. whole thing. But anyway, so yeah. <laughs> so um, God, it's just I just feel like we need to lower the temperature, you know. And um, so I, I, you know, I don't know. I, I I worry about that. But yeah, that was a question I wanted to ask. Is is the the tension around the topic so much that people don't talk about it in schools, or if it's taboo so much that people don't talk about it casually? Like I had said, kind of like saying bomb on an airplane, but it sounds like, no, it sounds like people are very much so discussing it. You know, in Thurston High School, my sophomore year, I was at Springfield, was Mm -hmm. when the Thurston shooting happened. And I felt like afterwards, it was a little bit taboo to talk about in in school because Mm -hmm. people didn't, people weren't really ready to have the conversation. Well, hopefully that's what's changed. Hopefully we're ready to have the conversation. And I don't know if it's going to lead to just swift changes, but I think at least if we're having the conversation, some changes will happen. We've seen it, in my opinion, with racism, that there's still a lot of people that are unwilling to have the conversation, but there's a lot that are willing to have it, you know? And so we're making some progress there. Uh, And that's a whole different issue that we could be here for days talking about in the education system. Because I know that in in eighth grade, you haven't been teaching uh, critical race theory, like what people want to push. But we could be here forever. Brandon Ferguson, thank you so much. Thank you for the work yeah. that you do as an educator and a teacher in our community. Uh, I think that I, you know, I think you're going to do great at the high school level. I'm proud of you for sticking to it. Uh, I'm also proud that you that this is. I'm happy to hear that this is something you dreamed about being at the high school level and that it's happening. Yeah. And I think that you know now you'll work there for hopefully the rest of your career in one school. One of the things I've taught. I've been telling my stepson why I think teaching is a great profession for him is I think that it gives him a community to be involved with because even yeah. like you, he teach, he wants to teach history, but I could see him going to band recitals and choir concerts and plays and yeah. things that are unrelated to what he does, but he's a part of it, you know? And I think mm-hmm. that it means a lot to the student that they're like, that's my art teacher. That's my band teacher yeah. at a different event because it mm-hmm. shows that there's this communal feeling and I think that that alone, as long as we make sure not to leave people behind, I think that that's one of the best ways that we can combat some of that, uh, 
some of that uh, violence and all that stuff is make sure that everybody's included and yeah. that, you know, we're part of something bigger. So thank yeah. you so much, Brandon. Uh, I, I appreciate the work you do and uh, we're going to get Thanks, out of man. here. We're going to end this with a song and this is a song by your band. Uh, That's right. The band is called thinking about you underwater. Uh, and so I'm a huge fan of this album. I've played it a few times on the, on the podcast. <laughs> Uh, But yeah, we're going to get out of here and we're going to end this with a song. This is the song by Thinking About You Underwater. This is the song Tsunami. Tsunami.